Hello and welcome to Divided by Brand, the weekly podcast show for entrepreneurs, business owners and influencers. If you want to learn more about branding, hear from industry experts and first-hand accounts about ways that you might find yourself divided by your own business's brand, then this is the show for you. Join me, your host Dan O'Cook a brand identity specialist with over 20 years design experience and founder of Vi Design Co. I'm going to talk everything brand, but more specifically, I want to go behind the scenes of real life brand challenges that businesses and individuals have faced that has left them divided in their mind or divided by the people around them. I want you to learn with me exactly what real life brand divides people have faced and by overcoming them did they help to create success it's the show that's going to have a host of different branding stories i'm going to be speaking with people on personal branding corporate branding i want to speak with artists and designers even streamers i want to put these guests in front of you and get them to open up about their own brand divides And I think you'll agree, that's quite enough jazzy intro. Can we just start the show, please? Hello, and welcome to this episode of Divided by Brand. My name's Dan O'Cock, and here's what's coming up on today's show. I've got an awesome guest lined up for the Divided by Brand Spotlight. His name's Ryan Stanley, and Ryan is living over in the USA, and he's a professional life coach. Now, he also describes himself as a lifelong entrepreneur, and he's known for his impressive natural ability to connect with, understand, and empower people who are in pursuit of and willing to make significant changes in their personal and professional lives. And this is so that they can end up being the best versions of themselves. Since graduating from the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching back in 2009, Ryan has gone on to become a certified professional coach. Now, Ryan has changed the lives of hundreds of clients from all walks of life. And most recently, Ryan has also been working at his alma mater as both an admissions coach, where he managed to close 22, nearly $22 million in sales over the last eight years. And as their first ever internal coach, He coached staff from entry level to C-suite on everything from daily professional growth to how they want to show up energetically in other more personal areas of life. And something else that Ryan's done is he's gone on last year, in July last year, 2019, Ryan published his first book titled Be Patient, Be Present, Be Joyful, a first aid kit for the emotional bumps, scrapes and bruises of life. I'm going to put a link to Ryan's book in the show notes and I'm really excited to get him on because he's been on such a journey with his own business and I really want to get behind what's been involved in that journey and some of the questions focusing around his brand. I'm also going to ask Ryan who his boldest brand of this episode is 
going to be and who he's chosen and why he's decided to choose that brand. So welcome to the show, Ryan. I'm really excited to have you on the show. And I know we did a little introductory call before we got on the interview. And I've took some time to look through a lot of your materials and a lot of what you're putting out there to to your audience. What I like to start with, though, when I when I get a new guest on, is just for them to tell me, you know, tell me what you've been up to over the last few weeks, even just a little insight into, you know, maybe two or three wins that you might class over the last few weeks. What, tell us what you've been doing. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And first of all, thanks for having me, Daniel. I really appreciate it. Um, happy to be here. No um, so yeah, I mean, it's been actually a really busy week. I mean, I know we're kind of an interesting times so, um, with COVID, etc. But um, you know, I, I'm kind of of the belief, and this this experience has kind of proved me that these type of situations kind of make you more of who you already are. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah, they so, bring out the best and the worst sometimes. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's a lot like money, right? It yeah. often makes you more of who you already are. Um, yeah, so I, I've been super busy in a, in a bunch of different fronts. I've been, um, you know, really participating in a lot of podcast conversations with people all over the world, which has been awesome. Uh, I've been really pr- pushing, uh, promoting my book in a, in a couple different um, capacities. I've, I've been on, um, just had a couple articles written about it and done some interviews there as well. And then, you know, we also, you and I touched on this earlier, but we also um, launched a new company in April. Uh, called Teach Me to Sell, uh, teachmetosell.com. And it's, um, so that is really just getting off the ground and we're starting to pick up an audience and starting to do, um, you know, we, we've started a Facebook group and we also have a Facebook page where people are starting to connect. And um, so, so it's been pretty powerful. It's been an exciting couple of weeks. Yeah. And I guess it certainly sounds like you haven't been, or you haven't had time to even pause for coronavirus. You're, you're the same as me. You're flat out by the sounds of it. Yeah, to be honest with you, I so I've always worked from home. I've worked from home for years anyway. And so not too much has changed in that space. It wasn't too much for me to get used to. And um, so, yeah, if anything, it's just given me, I've had less other obligations to, <laughs> to tend to, whether it be kids uh, sports or whatever, or, or different activities. And so it's actually given me more time to uh, really focus on what I want to. Awesome. So, selfishly. <laughs> hey, awesome. a little bit of self-care is good, right? I agree 100%. So Ryan is a professional life coach. That's I'm right in saying, Ryan, that's your, we would class that as your bread and butter. That's where you earn your money, right? Sure. Yep, absolutely. So certified professional coach um, between that. And so I, I do a lot of coaching, but I do some corporate, um, I'll do corporate workshops. I will do some speaking engagements, but yeah. So technically as a coach, it, it, there's a couple different things that I'll do with that, but that title besides just working one-on-one, but that, exactly that that's really the focus of my brand as a, as a, as a human at this, at this point. <laughs> Absolutely. And was, was coaching something that you'd focused on quite early on in a, as a career goal was coaching what you wanted to be? Did you, or did you just find yourself becoming a coach? Yeah. You know what I, so I've always been a bit of an entrepreneur, either a just kind of started my own projects um, or I've worked for startups. So I, I really consider um, entrepreneurship, an art form, right? In, in the sense that when somebody is a painter, they, they start with nothing and they create something that they have a blank canvas and they have an idea and they, they, they put the materials together to have something in the end. Photography, music, it's all, it's all very similar. And entrepreneurship is the same way. So you have an idea, you want to get it to the masses. And so you, you put time and energy and thoughts and, and collective um, people into getting a product or whatever that or service out there. And so I, lo- I love entrepreneurship as a space uh, to play in. 
And in 2008, uh, I was in artist management. So I had a company where I managed bands. All right. And yeah, what I loved most about it, and reason I, so first of all, I'm a huge fan of live music. I love working with creative people and being around creative people. I found myself um, as an entrepreneur recognizing actually that musicians are entrepreneurs. They really don't realize that often. Most people don't think about that as well, but they are also people who are creating something from nothing to push to the masses to earn an income. Absolutely. But often they get so caught up in the uh, the creative side of things and the performing side of things that they don't really realize or, or make the time to study entrepreneurship or, or what it takes to build something from nothing. So what I loved most about being a band manager was working with creative people and inspiring them and helping them to get clarity on who they had the potential to be and how they could step into the greatness and how they could set larger goals and take specific actions and calling them out on you know thoughts and conversations that weren't serving them. That was huge for me. I, I loved being there to celebrate huge wins. I didn't necessarily like dealing with shady club owners. Right. And if I was working with a band who was, you know, some of the guys weren't showing up for practice as on time or as often, or didn't want to get as many gigs as really were necessary to, to build a, the pop, proper brand for their band, you know, it felt more like babysitting than it was really about building something together. Okay. And that became frustrating. I also was, I would get paid on the back end. You know, so, so they would make money. And then if, if they did, I would get a percentage of it. And a lot of the time in those spaces, if I was working with creatives who weren't as focused as they could be, I we didn't make as much money <laughs> as we could be. And so therefore, I didn't really feel like I was getting my value of my time and effort. And then lastly, sometimes I didn't love love the music. They, they might have been great guys or gals. They might have had a decent following. Uh, but to you know show up in New York City until three o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday and not listen to the same songs over and over again and not really love them and then be selling them just felt unauthentic to me. So... You know, I, I, in fact, I know for a fact it was October of 2008. I had like three conversations within that month that brought up coaching. And I was like, well, that is what I do. That's who I want to be. That, that's, I feel my strength. It just kind of stood out to me. It was coming up for a reason. So I enrolled in, in a um, certification program. I, I became certified in, in 2009 mm -hmm. and still kept my current audience. And so I, I coached musicians, right? And so this way I was able to get rid of the people who weren't serious. I was able to focus on people who, who were. Um, I was able to get paid up front. I was able to work from home. It didn't matter whether I liked the music or not because I wasn't really, you know, promoting it or coaching them on how to be the better musician as much as I was really helping them being focused on being the best versions of themselves, whatever that meant. And so it fell into when, you know, to kind of long, long story short, <laughs> short story longer, um, to answer your question, it's not that I just fell. I didn't think about being coached for a long time, uh, but when I recognized my strengths and who I wanted to be, it just, it, it fit. Yeah, and so I decided to step into it. It certainly sounds like you were doing something that you thought you loved, but then I, the more you did it, you were able to refine that and realize that, you know, coaching was that that sweet spot for you, right? Absolutely. And I was able to get rid of the things I didn't like. So not only yeah. was it the sweet spot, and the cool thing about coaching specifically as an industry is that as you're working with these people and you're empowering others and you're reminding them of certain truths in life and how to monitor their inner dialogue and those types of things, actions to take, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, you're also reminding your subconscious of this on a regular basis. And so you're having conversations with others that remind you of, of certain truths that really serve your purpose as well. So to your point, not only did I refine it, but I've also grown more as a human being over the past decade of being a coach and serving others. And that feels nice, right? To say the least. <laughs> <laughs> when you're able to grow and develop, um, but I know, I guess we'd class ourselves, I don't know, I, I haven't asked how old you are, but I, a later stage in life not the latest but a sure. later stage in life it's nice to to grow and develop it's something that i would recommend to anybody 
listening that your the potential that you have is is only limited by your own belief, I guess. Um, Absolutely, I was just going to say unlimited. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Um, and then even real quick, just to go back to earlier in the conversation, you know that that self care is important, right? So when you're whatever you're building, whatever your brand is, whatever you're stepping into, to make time to ask yourself questions that give you clarity around that. And what's the best way for me to be the best version of myself so that I can create the best brand possible? And then I can, you know, serve and get targeted on my audience and serve the, the people that I want to as often as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And, and with a brand, you need to take the time to understand what that brand is. And it's that can be applied to understanding yourself, right totally. looking at yourself and looking at your brand are almost one well a personal brand is that exactly that um and how you engage it's a little bit different with brand but yeah i get i do 100 get get what you're saying there um let me just now a few things are just starting to fit into place and i'm sat looking at your website ryanstanley.com i'm going to put links to all this stuff in the show notes but your logo now that you've mentioned and delved more into or uncovered more of your history, your logo, the R and the S, is that yeah. musical manuscript? It is. It's musical manuscript, and it's actually on musical bars. Yeah, that's <laughs> and that's only just now kind of dropped in. I mean, I um, you know go visit Ryan's site and have a look for yourselves, but I hadn't quite got that tie-in that you'd managed um, the bands before. But now that you have, I see kind of why you wanted that included in the identity. So, you know, that's a big part. Yeah, but of your- and, and to, you know, the point of opportunities for growth, I would say, so, you know, my brand has evolved. And so I work not only with musicians now, certainly musicians find me based on my past experience, based on uh, word of mouth from other clients I've worked with, but I have expanded who I work with in general. Um, so with that, I haven't necessarily changed the logo because it's always been there and something I've just been used to and comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, you know, as, as someone in, from your role, I'm sure there's <laughs> one of those things like how long do people hold on to things? They even see it anymore, right? You just get so used to seeing it as it is. When do you know to make that change kind of to shift things up a little bit? It's an interesting question and it's there's no right and wrong answer. I think you only know when it either doesn't fit who you're trying to engage or what yeah. you've become. So... That's a, you'll only you only have that almost as a gut feeling. Yeah, you're either, you're either not quite happy with something, or it doesn't feel right. Um, or and as you do grow and you do change, it doesn't you know it's not that it's bad, but to your point, it's just not necessarily speaking. It doesn't pop to the audience who's who's looking for you. Exactly, you know it does. It either it just grows, you know, and it develops. It's a yep. it's a, an ever changing thing, like the person themselves. So, <laughs> yeah. Like life itself. Exactly. I wanted to um, ask you, do you, just pulling up on the entrepreneur thing, and you're, you kind of self-describe yourself as a lifelong entrepreneur. And I've, I mean, I was going to ask the question, when do you think that started? Do you think it was when you first started working with musicians, that entrepreneur mindset? No, you know what? I think it was. So my father was always an entrepreneur. Um, for, for good and bad. <laughs> right. There were certainly lessons that I learned uh, from him, but it was, so it was always something I grew up kind of used to. He had a, a home building company. He uh, had a restaurant. He had a number of different ventures that he was into. So for me growing up, it was just something that I understood as, as a, an option. Right? And it just it was so, again, coming from a creative space, I, I think, if, you know, when I first got into entrepreneurship as an individual, I would say it was probably in my late teens I um, got involved in a multi-level marketing or direct sales organization. And so I started selling, you know, you know you're know, you really creating your own business. These were environmentally safe products. 
And uh, that was my first kind of step into really my own quote unquote business, right? I mean, yeah, you're, you're kind of selling somebody else's product, but I did have to do all the work and learned a little bit about building a business from there. Sure. Through that company, I was introduced to Napoleon Hill and read Think and Grow Rich when I was 18. And from there, it really, uh, you know, it solidified that aspect of what, what I could be passionate about creating business and building and, and deciding who I wanted to be and do something about it, which, you know, long, you know, 10 years later or whatever it is, turned me into a coach, right? In some capacity for me, when I think why I'm passionate about being an entrepreneur is that you, you know, what's similar about being a coach is that you, you choose to be who you want to be. And you remind yourself of that every single day. And then you take action on that belief and that remind you know, of that reminding every, every day as well. So the sales part of your journey then, um, is this where in your story you were closing, I think it was nearly $22 million worth of sales over eight years. Is that where that comes in? Uh, a majority that came in. So I worked for, so as I was being trained as a certified professional coach, I went to an organization called IPEC, the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching. Okay. They're global. Uh, they are recognized as one of the top coach training programs in the world. And when I was going through the program, I met a lot of the leadership. They actually, actually asked me to come work for them before I even graduated the program. So while I started my coaching practice and I was focused on musicians, I also started working for them. And I did two, I had a couple different roles there, but one of them was, uh, I was their first internal coach. So I coached all of their staff, people who are just starting all the way up to the CEO, I, co I coached their staff. But then I also worked as an admissions coach and I enrolled people into the program. So if people are interested, you know, it's an $11,000, $12,000 program. And so that's really where majority of the, the, the millions of sales came, millions of dollars of sales came from by enrolling people throughout the years uh, in that program. It's good though. And I have a very, I think varied journey is probably the best way to describe it. But a lot of, I'm going to do the air quote entrepreneurs that I speak yeah. to, um, they often have this, not a colourful background, but they've been in settings where they've learnt or had to take on and learn new skills. And they are, they don't shun them and say, I'm not doing that. I've never done that before. They just get on with it and they add that extra string to their bow. And I've been involved in sales before, telesales, direct sales. And I just kind of just got stuck in. And I thought, you know what, this, this is probably going to help me at some point in the future it yeah. did and is that what you is that what you found with all of that side of things that's just helped do absolutely well yeah. i mean if you, if you look at everything as an opportunity for growth i mean if it gets to a point if you hate it right if you're hating every single day then you're going to yeah. certainly want to take action towards shifting gears as soon as possible but if you recognize it okay so here this isn't necessarily what i plan to do with the rest of my life but there's a lot of great benefits here there's a lot of lessons to be had that can serve me moving forward uh, I think specifically from an entrepreneurial standpoint, any type of business that you can be involved in where you can see how some part of a business is run and whatever your role happens to be in that space can absolutely help you to, to grow your own business. So that, awesome. so definitely is the answer to your question. Awesome. Awesome. Now, I'm always keen to give listeners something back if they're tuning in. And um, if anybody's listening and they're either setting out on that journey of wanting to become a coach or perhaps they're, they've already started, you know, is there anything that you would say you'd look back on now and say, you need to take this into account? And I mean, kind of key moments or key things that you should address. I, I feel that your, um, your accreditation that you received early on yeah. probably put you in good stead, but I don't know. I'm just intrigued to know what you would tell other coaches or wannabe coaches. 
Definitely, yeah. So I would say first thing you want to do is be sure that you you do get a certification. And I say that in the sense that this is this is my opinion, right? That there's a lot of great coaches out there who are not certified. Typically, though, a lot of what they're doing is not necessarily uh, coaching. A lot of the time, what they're doing is mentoring or they're doing consulting, and they're coming in and kind of giving advice and that type of thing. And coaching is really more recognizing that the clients have the answers already. So you're not telling them what to do. You're not saying I've had a perfect life. And if you do what I've done, you're going to have a perfect life. It's really helping them recognize that they have the answers within and they are blocked by fears and they're blocked by limiting beliefs and they're blocked by past experiences. Yeah. And so there is an organization called the International Coaching Federation or the ICF. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in being a coach, I would check them out at uh, coachfederation.org. And so they they accredit organizations as well. So this is a long way for me to say wherever, I would say the first step would be to find what's called an ACTP or an accredited coach training program. And you, you, that's, the, that's the type of program that I would, anybody, I would say, if I was talking to a friend and you want, I wanted to be a certified coach, I would say, be sure the program that you're going to is, is an accredited coach training program. So that's A, because they are held to standards and you want them to be held to be standards. You don't want them to be held by standards by their own sister company, right? So who, who qualifies their certification? It's like if I have a company called Ryan's Coaching Training and I've started a, a separate certification, you know, accreditation company or yeah. organization, uh, sometimes organizations will do that. And so, oh, well, we're certified by the... Ryan's sisters, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. whatever. So uh, just be sure. So I would recommend the ICF personally. Awesome. I think, I think secondly, then I would just really, especially starting off, focus on a niche. Like, you know, even just to, to really get your feet on the ground. As I said, you know, I kind of mentioned, I've, I've expanded quite a bit, but having that niche and knowing who I wanted to work with right off the bat, knowing that it was musicians, it was something that I was passionate about. It was something that I could have a conversation with somebody about every single day because you know, I'm excited about it. I'm curious about it. I have some background in it and it's a place where you can meet them where they're at. A lot of the time people say, well, if I do that, then I'm kind of excluding all sorts of other people or my, and I won't get enough clients. And it's really not the truth. Uh, there are literally billions of people on the planet. You don't need, you're not McDonald's. You don't need to serve billions and billions. You need to, you know, a full-time coaching practice can have anywhere from 25 to 30 stu- uh, clients. And so if you were to choose a niche, be focused on, and you know, you obviously I'm sure speak to this all the time, but get clarity on what you want your brand to be to really reach that niche and then get a feel for who you are, get your feet on the ground and be the best version of yourself in that, that niche as possible. Because not only will you attract specific people who you want to work with, but once you start working with those people, they will, they typically hang out with people like themselves in some capacity. So you're going to pick up other clients from word of mouth who are also in that same niche. I agree. And I'm a huge advocate of, of now, of having been through a similar process of saying, find your niche and become an expert. Um, yeah. Because if you're an expert in something, then that's when people will turn to you. And all of a sudden, you know, what you're producing does have higher value, right? Yeah. And... I and think. you can, and, and you're adding confidence to it as well, right? I yeah. mean, you feel confident in the energy that you're putting out when you're when you're providing this service. So it's not just uh, you know, energetically speaking, adding confidence to because you know, and you and this is all you're focusing on makes a big difference. I think for your clients as well. Hundred percent. And I think I I got told an analogy of niching down as to and specializing. Um, if you've got a problem with your heart. You want to go and see a heart expert, right? You don't want to go and see the ear, nose, and throat guy. Right. <laughs> you want to see the man who does the best job for exactly what the problem is. And yeah. that's. Can you hear your heartbeat? Can you hear it? Yeah, I can hear it. Okay, well, I think we're good. I think we're yeah. all right. Can you Off smell you it? Now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I've been getting this pain down my arm. Yeah, right. be all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. So, yeah, I'm, I 100% get what you're saying. And, and to find your niche is like, um, it is a redefining moment. 
right? Yeah. And suddenly to find that you don't have to worry about having 74 different menu items or whatever. You just, you've got the one dish you're good at. You just do it again and again and again and you love doing it. And that's how I'm, that, that's just kind of my um, creative well, brain going off on a tangent there. Not even a little bit. And, totally, and especially in today's day and age where any person who starts any type of a business, once you do, like you said, niche down, you, you through your phone, through your smartphone, through Instagram, through Facebook, through Twitter, through Snapchat, whatever, you know, all these different social media platforms, you can target specific people who are in that niche all day, every day. Yep. And as long as you're creating a constant brand and you're putting yourself out there in a space that people recognize who you are and what you do, um, that I mean, it's there's never been a better time, really, <laughs> to start a business or at least to, to focus on a specific niche because there, there's so many options to really get your brand in front of people in that way if, if you're willing to put in the time and effort. And, you know, to your point earlier, learn. Learn how why, why that works and how to do it. Absolutely. Um, I'm quite keen to get a little bit more insight from you as to what level or what input you had when it came to developing the creative around your own brand. So you, I think I would class what you have as very much a personal brand because it's you delivering what you do, right? Yeah. Yep. So did you have in your mind this, this vision, something that, you know, the, the visual that's out there now, is that exactly what you had? Or did you have to sit down with a creative and work through that to get your thoughts out? You know, a little bit of both. I would say probably 75% me, you know, 25% assistance. So in developing my website, for example, I, you know, I, I got some assistance from um, a web developer and, and really that's that website. Well, it's, it's grown and changed and modified a little bit over the years. It, it's pretty similar to what I had, you know, almost seven or eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so it hasn't really needed to change too much. Mostly what, what's changed is just the verbiage and a couple of different pictures and a couple of different links. Uh, I've been able to add different blogs and that type of a thing. But for the most part, from a branding standpoint, uh, you know, I, to your point, it was really mostly about me, right? We, we didn't need to go too far into any other aspects as much as not well, only me, but I, I guess, can... um, sorry to interrupt, Ryan, I guess even before the website existed, what was out there in terms of what were people seeing? Did you start this on social platforms? Did you have a logo? I mean, did that, did any of the colors or the logo exist before the website? How, where did it all Actually, start? Yeah. So I really started with a Facebook page. Like I literally started my first weekend of training and I came home and I, have a, you know, as a coach and I came home and, and um, created a Facebook page. That was where I first began. Mm-hmm. And my logo, that the logo that we spoke about earlier, actually I had a client at the time who was a musician, but also had some background in graphic design. And so as I was kind of coming up with this, I said, hey, listen, I'm, I'm putting together a website. And so we actually bartered um, some coaching for some web, for some logo development. And this was going, this is back in 2009. Okay. So that point, it was kind of more of a creative space. But, you know, to your initial question, like I, I knew what I wanted. I know that I wanted to be music related. I know that I wanted people to kind of get a feel for my personality because I think it's a big part of, I think whenever someone works with a coach, um, you know, we talked about becoming a coach earlier, but when, if someone's looking to work with a coach, you're going to want to connect with them on a personal level, right? So it's not just somebody who can help you move forward, but somebody who you're comfortable talking with and sharing your life with um, and really kind of going a little bit deep into you, who you really want to be. And so I knew going in, even from a, from a like you said, before the website was developed, I knew that I wanted to have my voice in it so, so that people could connect with me when they wanted to. Awesome. I mean, it's a tricky one, isn't it? When it comes to working with a professional or an expert, it costs money. And often 
you you've got to start the ball rolling so yeah and it's like well how much should i invest and how far should i take the logo development and do i need to have a style guide do i need to define the colors i mean did you find yourself having conversations about that kind of stuff early on or did you just kind of throw yourself into it in sort of true entrepreneur spirit and put it out there and then just deal with it yeah again so i i would probably say close more more of b like i had some ideas i had some questions i talked to some people i think it's always important to get advice right if, if, if it's something that's not your specific strength i don't think it's you don't want to overthink it you don't want to spend seven months working on a logo right i mean you know if you're spending more than a week on it um chances are it's not the best use of your time yeah. to your point when you start stepping into it you you learn you refine and you grow but it's certainly some so many people who are starting off any type of business get so caught up in oh my gosh like you know this has to be the perfect website ever well and I, i'm not saying this to be negative but chances are a lot of people are not going to see your website in the next two weeks right yes <laughs> So, you know, not millions of people going to see it. And this has to be the only thing that you're going to have for the rest of your life. So even sometimes by creating it and just getting something made and to put something out there to, to test what you like and don't like about it and get some feedback from, from some friends or prospective clients, like just be authentic and be like, hey, I'm listening. I'm just starting this up. What do you think? What, what did you get out of it? What do you like about it? And learn and grow from that. But even by creating those little bits and pieces of starting off, whether it be even a Facebook page or, you know, any type of... Um, forward-facing uh, marketing or branding, just the accomplishment of that sometimes gives us more confidence as well. It gives us a feeling of, okay, I am moving forward. I do have something to show people. I, I have created something at this point that I can build upon. And I have created yeah. a foundation. And I think something that um, is hugely rewarding when you start a business and you you create that identity, that, that, that brand visually, um, is seeing it. It comes to life. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, it's like, oh my God, this is me. This is my, this is what I do. Look at that. Ooh, I look, I look, look what I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, I th- on the marketing side of things and the kind of elements that you came up with, um, we said marketing elements, how important were those for you early on? There's a lot of software out there. I'm just kind of keen to see what you used out of the door or, you know, how did you go about engaging with your audience? What were you producing? Yeah, so- Early on, I really just kind of focused on social media. And I, and to be honest with you, I didn't even do a ton of that. Like I said, when I first started, I was also working with IPEC. Um, so I was able to create a Facebook page. I was able to do some tweeting. I was able to, um, you know, once Instagram, once Instagram came about, I was able to really, I, I enjoy Instagram a lot because as a creative person myself, I like photography, um, but I was able to kind of focus in on positive messages or coaching messages with, with some pictures that I enjoy taking as well. Uh, I, I certainly think depending on the type of organization that you have, the type of business that you have, there are more and more people, even other solopreneurs who are starting marketing and branding companies. So it can't hurt to look around, go on LinkedIn or just, just to see what else is out there. And again, this is going back 10 years. And so, so much has changed in the past 10 years. So when I first started, there wasn't so much. And as an entrepreneur, I enjoy the creative aspect of kind of trying it out and figuring it out and you know, run, making my own posts and, and seeing how they were responded to and seeing what ones people liked and commented on, which ones people didn't. So th- there is an aspect of that creative entrepreneurship, which from at least in my brain comes to enjoying that piece of it as well, like learning from the market. Yeah. So, I mean, it, especially now, because when I say now, when I, I guess, started working in, in my career, my industry, um, 20 something years ago, there wasn't 
social platforms that didn't exist. Right. And, but now there's these platforms where business people can engage with the world. Yeah. Within the space, they can have a Facebook page set up within half an hour, right? And then start inviting their friends, and their friends invite their friends, and they like this and like that. And it's just, it's such an easy way to start a brand. Yeah. And then the, the, the challenge there, though, is then to be consistent and to be persistent and yeah. to, you know, because that can be, that that would be my only warning to people, right? So you're, and this other thing we've been talking about, it's like, yeah, just step into it, like start creating it, enjoy the process, celebrate it when it's made, but then you got to be consistent. You have to be determined to decide this is what you want to do and work on it every day in some capacity. Yeah, uh, the consistency is a huge part of, of a successful visual identity because if you're not putting graphics out that are consistent, there's a mixed message. And totally. some people recognize that, you know, they've got the, the business presence of mind to say, this doesn't look right because it's a totally different font from the, the last graphic that I posted, you know, the other month or whatever. Yeah. And that, that some people have got that presence and they're able to address that. And others, they, their business, they just kind of go, yeah, it's fine. I'll just put it out there. But for me, that's, that's just a, people... There's just a difference in their audience and probably their business model, right? So it's who they're reaching and who they want to want to engage. Um, if you want to, if you've got a high high ticket or a high value item, and your and your brand isn't consistent, then you're going to struggle. Yeah, is, is generally it, what I find. At some level, it's a, um, it, it almost without them knowing it almost confuses people right <laughs> yeah but i think it creates a you don't trust something that's not of consistent messaging right they're like mm. Mm, that's a bit suspicious because is that the same person that sent that email last time i don't know it looks a bit different so that that that's the doubt that starts to creep in um and you, you don't you do not want your customers to doubt or have confidence in your your product or your service especially yeah. as a coach right even on a subconscious level. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I know we're talking on the podcast. Do you do a podcast, Ryan? You know what? I sort of, so speaking of consistency, (laughs) (laughs) I have not been consistent with it. I, it's more of an audio blog. So like, so my quote unquote episodes are typically five to seven minutes long. And I generally just there, you can get them on my website. So if you go to ryanstanley.com and you, it's like Ryan's blog. And so they're five to seven minute video, I'm sorry, audio uh, recordings, just of me talking about concepts and philosophies around life, around how the betterment of life, around enjoying life, around, um, you know, I, I talk about my book a little bit and, and some of the concepts within there, right, within some of the episodes. But um, I haven't really, to be honest with you, there's one thing that has certainly fallen out during COVID as I started this new Teach Me Sell company and been focusing on book promotion and podcasts. But um, it's, it's on my list of, I think, kick, kick back in the gear sooner than later. Well, tell you what, let's actually talk a little bit around you, your book, um, because I think as a coach, it's, I don't know whether it seems like a natural progression or this kind of stepping stone that a coach takes in order to kind of cement himself as an expert if you like but is was there a point is it something that again you you knew you had the capability to write a book and you were just waiting for the right time i'm just kind of intrigued as to like what made you think i need to write this book just closed my mind to think about writing a book i can't totally. write. <laughs> so um 
it, and it has been like a big change in my brand. It was, it was a major shift. So it was a, something that was kind of on my mind for a long time. And as again, as, as an entrepreneur, like I, I love creating things. And as someone that serves people in a personal development space, I wanted to create something that where I could take my voice and my message and, and have people utilize it in a different space, maybe when I wasn't there. It's also from a branding standpoint, it's an amazing business card, right? To your point, like at some point when, when for other people or, or like yourself who couldn't fathom writing a book, it's like, oh my gosh, the, this guy takes what he does seriously. In some capacity, he's really kind of stepped over the, hey, I'm just trying this out as much as he's, he's an authority, right? He has some expertise in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would read a lot of books that were in the personal development space and they were like three or 400 pages long. And that's not to say they weren't great content and weren't very helpful. Uh, but at the same time, I am not a great reader. <laughs> no. I don't enjoy the physical process of reading. I do a lot of audible, but still, even then, you know, when, when your books are getting hours and hours, 15, 20 hours long, uh, for me, it didn't always work as well as I would like it to. So, you know, a lot of the time these books, it's like, here's a hundred pages telling you what we're going to tell you. And here's a hundred pages telling you what we're telling you. And now here's another hundred pages telling you what we just told you. Okay. So, right. And so I was looking to do, I'm I was like, listen, if I am having a really, you know, t- a bad day and I'm feeling overwhelmed and I'm feeling anxious and I'm feeling stressed just about life in general, I don't want to sit down and read 300 pages. I want to pick something up where I can either read it and within 25 minutes, read it to in a half hour and, or just open up to a page somewhere and find something that serves me. And so almost just as a product in general, not necessarily a book, but just a product, like that's what was, was coming up for me that I felt there was a need in the market for. And also, as well as, I'm, you know, I'm, my, all this is to say that it's not a very long book. <laughs> but listen, that's that entrepreneur mindset, right? Identifying a gap in the market. Totally. And so the, the name of the book is Be Patient, Be Present, Be Joyful, A First Aid Kit for the Emotional Bumps, Scrapes, and Bruises of Life. Kept and it short it, then. <laughs> yeah, I, well, that's yeah, the first thought. Just be patient, be present, be joyful. And even that, like sometimes when I'm talking to my friends or whatever, I'm just like, I just call it B3. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, no, I love it. But it is literally a first aid kit. So in that sense, it's a short book that you can read within 25 minutes and really get some great concepts that will help you and serve you in, in life. Uh, then the other piece to it is it's literally made to where you can open any page, at, you know, whether you read the book or not, and find something on that page that could serve you in the moment. It might be a quote from somebody else. It may be just a, and there's, there's highlighted aspects um, of my own you know, writing in the book. Uh, at the end of each chapter, there's what's called band-aids and there's just like five or six different things that you can do to either be patient, to be present, to be joyful, whatever it is. Um, and the whole backside of the book are just kind of blurbs that were taken from my Instagram page of just you know things to think about in life and, and how to celebrate existence and, and move forward as the best version of yourself. You said there was a major shift in the brand. Um, did you say before the book was launched? The the book itself, really, because up until that point, I had been focusing mostly on musicians, and that was kind of my my thing. Um, but as more and more clients started finding me who weren't musicians through word of mouth or just various different ways, um, I recognized that my ability to connect with just about anybody intentionally um, was 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 a good one. It was, it was, I had a good ability to do that. And so this book doesn't speak to musicians specifically. It, it speaks to everybody. Yeah. So when I say that was a major shift, I was this, able, this enabled me to open up my audience quite more and uh, allow me to connect with a lot of different people in a lot of different ways, really from a human aspect. I like it. And the other thing I'm keen to know as a coach and the fact that it's, it's you that is the business, when it comes to, the, to these... We've chatted a bit about the visual side of things with the logo. That was very much in your own head. But what kind of people surround you in life and do they 
play any role in influencing your decisions? You know, do they do they advise? Do they are they negative? Are they positive? What who's around you? Who who helps or hinders you in these things? Yeah, that's a great great conversation because it's one of my favorite things to talk to clients about. Um, I think it was Tony Robbins who said that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I like Tony. Yeah, yeah. It sounds a bit like him. I'm not really sure, but I like that. Yeah, and so I found that to be so true. Um, so, interestingly enough, as I stepped into my coaching um, business, as I was working with IPEC, and as I was, you know, connecting with other coaches and kind of being part of that community, I did start surrounding myself with other like-minded people in a different way than I had in the past. And that's not to say that I was around really negative or stressful or angry people. Uh, more just the more just the right in the middle, right? And I was kind of like the more positive, upbeat guy, like a little bit too much. Uh, for <laughs> the average person type of a thing. But um, in general, it's interesting when you say that, when I, when I say that, when Tony says that, that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, it doesn't necessarily even have to mean the people who you're spending time with and living with or, or, or socializing with. If you're usually using that information on purpose and you surround yourself with Tony Robbins, or, you know, I'm a big fan of Dr. Joe Dispenza, or if you, you know, seek out people, Gary Vaynerchuk, if you seek out people online who have a message that that serves your purpose and that you can connect with and you remind yourself and you, you make time to watch videos and that type of a thing in your downtime that's it's a similar concept no that wasn't really a question but it really just popped up for me so i thought i would share no i agree and i hadn't actually thought about from that perspective that the, the type of people that we would engage i would engage it doesn't have to be one-on-one like you've just said i'm i'm absorbing content i'm watching i'm reading other stuff and that's yeah that is the people that that you choose to surround yourself with, right? Totally, and that's, and that's who you want to be like. There's aspects of their personality, of their message, of their information that you would like to bring into your life. And so yeah. it, it makes a big difference to intentionally choose who your, who your tribe is. Now, that being said, also what I found from a quantum physics level, right, when we start to really decide who we want to be in this space, whether it be quote unquote positive or just intentional or purposeful or loving or grateful or you know all these different attributes that, that I, I strive to be on a daily basis, we start to attract other people like that into our lives. And we start to um, notice that, and we start to actually the other people who are not necessarily in that way or the opposite of that anyway, start to dissipate and disappear because they're uncomfortable with your joy. Yeah. <laughs> and that has everything to do with them and nothing to do with you. And you know, you start attracting people that, that align with that in a different way. So. Um, yeah, it's a funny one, is it? That's like, yeah, the laws of attraction, which is a whole another conversation, but. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, so, whereabouts are you with the brand, your brand, and your business now? Are you, are you happy? Have you got plans for this? I, I don't know. What, what, whereabouts are you with it all? Yeah, so it's funny because you know, as we're kind of even having this conversation, and I think about my logo, like it's probably time for a change in that, right? <laughs> in some capacity. I don't it's know. You tell me. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying to your point of like, you know, you my my website, which you've reviewed and looked, at, doesn't really talk so much about musicians, and so that wasn't clear to you right off the bat. That's why that was there. Um, I think with the, the, the cover of the book is specifically made to look uh, similar to a first aid kit. So I enjoy the branding of that um, specifically. So that I'm really happy with. It's been getting a lot of really positive feedback. Um, and then, you know, with, with the teachmetosell.com, like that is just starting off that's brand new as well. So, so far I'm pretty happy with the brand. We just got to came up with a new logo that I really like a lot. It's just, just the words. But um, so I, I think there's always opportunity for growth. 
I think as this book is really starting to grow, I'm, I might try to incorporate a little bit more of that branding into my own my own site. But um, I think I mean, it's certainly worth worth taking a look at, re- revisiting anyway. Yeah, there's there's always opportunity for growth, but I think the question is, do you want growth? Because some people are quite happy running that business that just keeps the roof over their head and keeps them happy doing the work that they they want to do other people want to grow a business and you know expand it to have staff and global offices etc it's whatever you grow it to where you want it to grow yeah right yeah so i i think in that space i, I i'm more of the space and i don't know if this is this good or not right i, I kind of go back and forth i am i'm almost an add entrepreneur right? i like starting different things like just it's almost like the startup that is exciting to me and the fun of creating something i know what you mean you got to yeah. keep on point though because you get distracted right totally so um you know right now my 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 personal brand ryanstanley.com like i i don't i don't dislike it by any means i enjoy going through the website i've gotten i've never i get relatively positive feedback i mean as far as you know, so right now, I think for I'm, I'm content, but yeah. um, you know, yeah, again, even having this conversation, maybe, maybe it's something I haven't really made enough time to think about. So it's nothing that stood out to me. Like, oh my gosh, I need to change this yeah. as much I, as absolutely. And I only ask the question because I'm, I'm always intrigued to see what people's grand plans are, so to speak. Because yeah, some people have the next month planned out. Some people have got five years planned out. Some people have got ten years. You know, and um, I was keen to just see where um, where people are with stuff on their journey, but. No, I, th- I can see why you'd feel content with stuff. I think it looks good. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, so far, so great. So let's think back up to this point, okay? If we, or if I ask you to describe your biggest brand dividing moment, what would you, or could you pinpoint that moment as? Yeah, again, I think, excuse me, it's going to go back to the book, right? I think when we, when I look at that, so that was published uh, July 4th, which actually ironically is my birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that wasn't on purpose. That was just how it all worked out for the publishing company. <laughs> well, you get a fireworks show every year, right? I do. Yeah. It's, it's actually, it's an amazing birthday to have. I'm not going to lie to you. Like ever since I was a kid, I would always be down at the beach. I was never at school. There was, you know, there was always fireworks. And then as I got older, like there was always a party on my birthday and like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> pretty nice. great birthday to have. Uh, and then last year when we were putting the final touches on the book, and I was working with my publisher and he's like, I, and he's actually a Canadian. And so he didn't really realize that the 4th of July is the 4th of July uh, in casual conversation. He's like, all right, it looks like July 4th is the day that this is going to be uh, available. Does that work for you? And I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? <laughs> this is destiny. <laughs> right, totally. And, and you, those are the aha moments of, of enjoying, for me, of, of really enjoying life. It's not just, you know, it's not a coincidence I, the way I see it. I love it. So, yeah, so the, the launch of your book, that was your biggest brand dividing moment. That was, I, I know, in other words, I say, when did everything change for you? But that definitely does seem like that for you. Yeah, because like I said, it kind of gave me an opportunity to shift gears and be as, as important as we've discussed niching down is. It also, you know, as I touched on, gave me an opportunity to prove an authority in, in many different places and really, in my opinion, have a broader impact and have more of a global impact than just for musicians. It's not that musicians can't benefit from the book, uh, but so can everybody else. And so to be able to do that and then just show up as a life expert uh, and get such positive feedback right now, I mean, it's got five five star reviews on Amazon, you know, um, totally. So so it's, it's going really well. Fantastic. Fantastic. So a feature on the show is I do ask guests to come up with their boldest brand of the episode. And... It's basically a brand that's up to you, somebody, something, a business that's just ticking the boxes for you. Uh, 
and is doing a good job. Yeah. Do you have a bold brand for the episode, Ryan? Have you got someone, I, something I in do. mind? I do. No, I do in the sense, but I'm, I'm a bit biased. Uh, so <laughs> in the sense that it's the band Fish. Spelled okay. P-H-I-S-H. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not. I have no idea who they are. Uh, yep. So they're, an, <laughs> they are an improvisational rock band originally from Vermont, um, came out of the 80s and in the early 90s. They're now what's kind of considered a, a jam band. In fact, they're, they do a lot of um, improvisational music. Like you know, I've, I've literally have seen them over a hundred times. I'm going to every, Google them as we talk, but carry yeah. on. So tell me a yeah, bit it, more. Tell me why every you picked sing, them. Every single concert is completely different. And so the reason why their brand is so powerful for me, A, because I'm a super fish nerd and I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Um, but B, they really know their audience. They really speak to their audience on a regular basis. Um, as fans of live music, people who want to go out and see music, you know, as soon as COVID started happening, they, so they have a song called Dinner in a Movie, um, which is off their first album back in like, you know, the late eighties. And um, so as soon as COVID began, they created, they were the, like, one of the first people that I saw doing, so they call it Dinner in a Movie. Every Tuesday night, they show an old concert of their band playing for people just to go and, and they give out a a recipe for a meal for people to cook along while you're watching this this concert from either the 90s or maybe within the brilliant. last brilliant that's a brilliant idea yeah and so people it's like you hang out with your community you connect with your community you're watching your favorite band you're all cooking the same food you're you know learning and sharing and kind of grooving together um they at, they did a, a program called a program they did a run so they did 13 shows at madison square garden in 2017 Wow. They called the Baker's Dozen, right? So nice. Baker's Dozen is like, you know, 13 donuts for the price of 12. Um, yeah. And so they did 13 nights at Madison Square Garden and every single night was a, was a different donut, right? So, and you would go to the first night and it, let's just say it was strawberry donut and they played songs that included strawberry. And by the way, over the all 13 shows, they didn't repeat a single song. Wow. So every single song, every single concert for 13 nights was a different, different show. Uh, it had a different themed donut. And when you got there, first come, first served, everybody would get strawberry donuts, right? So for for that night. And like, the, and, the, and that example again of the strawberry show, the whole, like the, the lighting was all kind of focused more on red. And so they really go out of their way to be creative, to be unique. Um, and that in itself is a brand, right? So the, their their concept of being so improvisational and, you know, you, you kind of, one, one foot in the present, one foot in the future. You're not necessarily sure where the, where the show is going to go. Um, they do that with their marketing, with their connection, and it, it certainly attracts people that are excited to expect the unexpected. Yeah, and I, I I agree with you because I've had a few guests that have picked brands that are, the word I would use is honest because they just, they, they're not hiding behind anything and they just are showing who they are. Um, 100%. And, you know, consumers are not stupid, full stop. They'll pick up on anything that's fake or, you know, just forced on them. Yeah. You know? and, and there was someone on, I think, I think it was episode um, two, they picked a, a British guy called Joe Wicks um, and he did a similar thing at the start of lockdown, understood his audience, understood the needs and just put the content out there that fell in his brand and wasn't wasn't appearing as profiting off the back of a, a pandemic. He was just servicing his audience in the face of adversity and just carrying on doing his thing. And, you know, how long have Fish been around then since? Uh, 1983. 
is wow. when they formed, but they really started making headway in 89, 90. Uh, I think they were signed by Electra right around then, 1990. I'm not pressing play whilst um, we're recording the show, but I'm definitely going to have to. Uh, you've intrigued me enough to have a little listen after the, we've recorded this episode. Well, it, it is. Um, I mean, listen, they're my favorite band. Um, but so the, the, it is really diverse. So they, they have everything. I mean, a lot of their songs, if you go see them in concert, you can see one song that could be 30 minutes long. So, because you never know where it's going to go, and, it, and but they have everything from jazz to like pretty heavy rock, but to um, instrumental. The, the lead guitarist who does a lot of the vocals is a guy named Trey Anastasio. He's also written orchestras and and, and done tours with with classical instruments. And um, so, I, the reason I'm bringing all this up is, you know, I don't know if I can give you a place to start, but I, is there a particular type of music that you love? You know what? I, there isn't. I have a very varied taste in music, and it depends on what I'm doing. So if I've got my okay. head down and I'm kind of in the zone of designing, I might want something uh, pretty dance and upbeat, fast-paced. Um, or if I'm trying to start some creative stuff, then I tell you what I've been listening to with that is Future Islands. I don't know if you've heard of Future yep. Islands. Yeah. Um, they're kind of a little bit more beat, but a little bit mellow in there. I don't know. I'm very, very mixed. All right. I would recommend if you want to be curious about fish, I mean, there's so much content out there for you to find, but a great place to start would be a live album called Hampton Comes Alive. And it's based on, you know, there's Peter Frampton, Frampton Comes Alive, but they played in Hampton Coliseum in November of 1998. They played a couple shows there and um, it's a great place. It's always a place I recommend people who are just starting out with fish to check out. It's a live concert. So you get a feel for the live um, thing. And if you want to go, go studio, to... last thing I'll say, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you want to go studio album, there's a, my favorite album is an album called Story of the Ghost. Awesome. Well, I'm going to check those um, those tracks and those links. I'm going to put links in the show notes as well. So if anyone else is curious, then I'm going to put them in there and they can go follow it up and, and have a listen for themselves. Awesome. So listen, Ryan, I think, um, you know, I've really enjoyed talking to you about your journey. And uncovering where you've been what you're doing all of the, the different elements I'm, I th- you're a bit like myself I'm one we could make this episode three hours hours long right <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know I'm trying to fit this into you know the kind of our space so what I'm going to do is I'm going to say Ryan thank you very much for coming on the show it's been a pleasure to talk with you and um, yeah I hope everyone out there has appreciated what Ryan's been talking through um, thank you very much Ryan yeah, really my pleasure, Daniel. I, I so appreciate you having me here and uh, hopefully we can connect again in the future. Awesome stuff. So here we are, the end of another episode. If you want to read more about my own work, my business or if you feel like applying to be a guest on the show which i am looking for new guests if you feel like anything on the show has resonated with you on any level please get in touch you can do all of this via my website which is danielocock.com you'll be able to listen to more episodes on there you can see some of my designs some of my illustration work as well you'll also find all my social media channels so i'm on facebook i'm on twitter and there is some stuff on instagram you'll be able to engage with me directly on there the podcast itself is available to download via most of the major platforms out there so thinking spotify itunes things like that if you like the show then please don't forget to hit share and it'd be great to read a review or two from yourselves and just 
tell me what you think about the show. I will read some of those out at the end of each episode, and I'd like to give some special mentions and thanks to anyone who does take the time to write one. And on that note, I just want to say thank you for listening to this episode. And remember, if you're not proud of your brand, how do you expect anyone else to be? Thank you.